today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. It is 900 CHML. I'm Scott Thompson. Willers can keep it the Scott Thompson Home Show between the pipes. Jump into the fun. We would love to hear from you. The election is underway. Uh, there is. Um, it, it was very interesting listening to David Aiken from Global News talk about this a little earlier on last hour. Uh, when he, you know, it's a COVID, it's a COVID campaign. So what does that mean? Um, well, maybe not the big uh, rallies that you see. Uh, more subdued affairs, more targeted uh, approaches in in how uh, the leaders do things. And also with uh, more emphasis on mail-in ballots this time out, um, you know, as David was saying, the the actual uh, process for some has already started. Uh, so there's people that are voting all through this campaign or will be all through this campaign as opposed to just on polling day on September 20th. So uh, it, it's going to very much be a different election, uh, at least uh, as far as the campaign portion of it. Uh, and whether we end up out the other end in the exact same position, uh, I think is a lot of people's fears. Let's bring in Henry Jasek, professor of political science, McMaster University. He is with us now. Henry, thank you for the time. I hope you're doing well. Doing well. Yes, I am. Thank you, Scott. It was interesting. We were talking with uh, Global's Dave Aiken the other day, or earlier on this uh, today, and he was talking about how much this was going to be a very different campaign, not only in how the leaders approach it, because it's not all the, you know, the sis boom of of a traditional uh, rally and such, more targeted approaches, uh, but also the fact that uh, there'll be more emphasis perhaps on advanced polling and even for mail-in ballots. So people are making their decision actually before polling day in some cases. We, that's actually a trend that's been going on because I think uh, people were voting uh, earlier in, in previous elections. You could see it pick up. I, I quite frankly, I and my wife uh, a few years ago started doing early voting just to get it out of the way because we didn't want to yeah. be part of the crowds in uh, when, when on election day, although occasionally we, we, we still left it off to the last uh, to that particular day, but we like to avoid the crowds. But to, I mean, this year we, my wife and I, have like I think a lot of other people said, we're going to do a mail ballot. We don't want to be in a crowded uh, polling uh, place because uh, we don't know who's uh, who's vaccinated and who's not. So we're just going to uh, do it by mail. And what is the process, Henry? For the, for those that don't know, how do you go about uh, using a mail-in ballot? Well, that's very unclear. I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know what it's going yeah. to look like and how they're going to get it to me. So I actually don't know that. So I, uh, yeah. So I, this is. I think. I think this is. I think part of the problem is. I think the elected officials uh, who are in charge of the election, like uh, you know, is found this to be one of the surprises because I think they expected the election wouldn't be called until after Labor Day. And so they probably, you know, saying, well, we don't if we send stuff out in August, no one's going to pay attention to it because they're in a, a summer mode. So, yeah, that's an interesting question. How well will people know what to do and how 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 well prepared our our election officials are? And after all, it's a very short time. It's only 35 days, the, the shortest possible under the legislation. So that's one of about three surprises we've had going into this election. So, uh yeah, I don't. I don't. I really don't know what's going. How that's going to look right now. How are Canadians feeling about going to the polls? We've talked about this before. Uh, if you're usually going to ask them before any election, they probably don't want it. <laughs> Nobody's wanting one. Uh, I guess at any time, pandemic or not. But uh, again, as we've mentioned in the past, uh, it wasn't the opposition that triggered this. It was the prime minister. Uh, how do you think? How do you think Canadians are going to react? 
Well, I mean, I think uh, basically there there is a certain amount of the uh, people who essentially believe we don't need one, and they, you know, they hear the arguments from the opposition. All the opposition parties say, "Listen, we haven't blocked any of the legislation of the uh, of the uh, government." There's been no uh, motion, uh, you know, no, they haven't passed any motions, uh, you know, declaring their lack of confidence in the government. And, uh, you know, all they've, what they have done is they've made it a more difficult procedurally for the government to ram things through very quickly. So, uh, but that's the only thing they do, they've done. And so why, in their view, is we don't, you know, we don't need an election. And that's the argument they're putting out there today. And I, and I do think it's having some effect. Uh, I've noticed a, a couple of polls in the, uh, over the last few days have showed there's been a, a slight, you know, drop off in the liberal support. Now it's very little, but they were going. To, you know, when when I, last time I talked to you late last week, the liberals were seemed to be going up, and now they seem to be dropping a little. So I don't know where we're going. They may start going up again. I don't know, but they're, yeah. So I, I do think people out there are listening to the opposition saying we really don't need an election now, and especially I like the. Uh, the lines that uh, that the that Jagmeet Singh, the uh, NDP leader, has saying this is a, a selfish election, mm. uh, and you know when he used he used that word selfish, I think that's struck a chord with some people, and I've been thinking about it the last few days, and I said, well, normally people forgive the government for calling an election even though they don't want it, but there are exceptions, and I you know and I remember there was an exception back in 1990 when in fact. Uh, David Peterson decided yeah. there was yep. a, a recession coming. I better get the uh, go to the polls before people start losing their jobs. He called it, and I remember every you know the NDP was running very weak, but they had this young leader Bob Ray, yep. and I remember him saying, "This is not going to be a cakewalk for you guys," <laughs> and 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 people just and he just attacked them for calling an unnecessary election, and to the shock of the liberals, they were out, out on their ears, and uh, the NDP came in with this very surprising majority. So, I mean, this, it's it, you know the condition right now might be the same thing, except that uh, the, David Peterson had a majority. So it, we're normally more tolerant of governments who want an election because they have a minority. But the you know the government really I don't think has convinced people they really really needed an election, and that's a dangerous feeling I think for the government. And I don't know maybe this uh, anger you know unhappiness about having an election is going to stay there through the election period and cause the uh, the government some problems. So do you think as a result of that, Henry, we will see a low voter turnout or a higher voter turnout? Uh, you, because it's a shorter campaign, you'd think it's probably going to be lower because it takes longer to reach people. And also, as a COVID, uh, because of the virus, uh, you're probably not going to have people ringing your doorbell or knocking on your door yeah. and wanting to talk to you about the election. So, yeah, because you know, because probably it'll get people upset if strangers come to the door because you don't know is this person got the been vaccinated or not? Who is? Who are they? So I think what will happen, these people probably will go around, uh, you know, doing around the neighborhoods and around uh, apartments and houses. But I think what they'll do is slip some literature in. Uh, but unless they see people out of their, you know, out of their houses, which it's still summertime, you'll see some of them out. They'll they'll talk to them, you know, two meters apart. <laughs> but yeah. I don't think I, I think if I were, you know, a person going around delivering uh, these pamphlets that the parties have, I think I. I would probably make more enemies than friends if I ring the doorbell or knock on the door. How concerned are you, Henry, that we'll end up in the exact same place? 
Uh, well, I'm not concerned. Actually, I, I, I'm one of the. I mean, I personally believe the government is functioning okay. I mean, yeah, I'm not. I mean, constitutionally, it's functioning. I mean, the argument that that the opposition is saying, you know, we haven't defeated your legislation. We haven't defeat, given you a vote. We haven't passed the voter a vote of no confidence. And so, I find that, for me personally, a compelling argument that tells me there's not there's no big problem here. But, I mean, I think the problem is essentially that, you know, Justin Trudeau and his cabinet are annoyed. They have to make uh, certain concessions, particularly in procedure, and they have to lengthen things out and, you know, basically give the opposition more information than they would like to give them. And I think uh, that's okay with me. <laughs> and so, uh, I, you know, so I'm not, I'm not really not worried that we're in any great problem here. Is this the prime minister's election to lose? Oh, I think for sure. I mean, he's going to wear it if he if he gets a mon- well if he if he gets a minority, it's going to be you know tough to swallow. He'll still be the government, I think, with a minority government, but uh, he won't. Uh, but it's going to be a tough one for him to swallow, and uh, you know he'll be maybe you know get into the sort of situation that Mike Pearson got into in the early 1960s, where he couldn't couldn't get a majority, but he got a lot of legislation passed. So, but it's not, you know, it's not that, you know, the the leaders normally don't like it. Mike Pearson didn't like it. Stephen Harper didn't like it. Um, and I'm and Justin Trudeau doesn't like it. But, you know, minority governments can work, except the government has to work harder at them. How does the prime minister fight this campaign different from the past? Well, I, uh, I think, well, of course, he's got to take, uh, he wants to take credit for dealing with the virus. Not only with the, you know, with the... Uh, reaching as i said the last week to you uh, to, on your program that the he can boast about the fact that he said for a year virtually a year that everybody who wanted a vaccine could get it by august and he's delivered on that so he's he can say that the problem unfortunately is not as many people have volunteered to get it as he was hoping i mean we've done pretty well compared to other countries including the united states but we, you know, we really need to be higher, and especially with the new variant, the, the Delta variant that we're, we, have, we have that wasn't foreseen a year ago, uh, we've got to have higher numbers of people vaccinated to keep it from spreading around. So it's, uh, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a surprise for him, but, uh, but, we, but he's, you know, he's got to convince people to get more people to get the, um, the vaccination. You know, we're probably, I don't know, we're about 65% for, for, two, for two doses, and I think he's got, he's got to get it up there. I mean, a lot of you know, infectious disease uh, physicians are saying he's got to get it up there closer to 90, so that's quite a bit, and he's got to overcome those people who basically don't have it as a high priority, and so what's the way you do it? And all, and all the candidates, all the leaders are dancing around this issue about uh, mandatory vaccination. Yeah, there you go. The federal, uh, the yeah. Prime Minister announcing uh, federal employees will be vaccinated. Right. O'Toole has taken the opposite position on that. Uh, how, how big of, a, how big of a, a campaign issue will that be? Well, I think how you, you have to sort of, as I said, I was just watching on uh, the press conference that the prime minister had just a mm-hmm. few, few minutes ago, and he was on the tight rope, you know, tight wire there, uh, rope wire, and he's saying, well, because people, the reporters are asking him, is aren't you punishing people who aren't going to get a vaccination? And he said, no, no, he turns it around. We're trying to help them. We're working with the the union that represents them, and we're interested in their health. And he, you know, they're afraid of this word that they're punishing them. That's no no leader wants to be, you know, 
uh, having a policy where people say it's actually a, a policy that involves punishment, so they don't want to do that. But at the same time, they all know that they have to, uh, you know, they have they have to get the numbers up, and all and all the leaders are facing that. Uh, I mean, I think all the leaders know we really have to have a higher levels of vaccination. I mean, what we have is good, but it's not good enough given given what we're facing right now. And so, you know, so they all they're all they all have to tiptoe around this, and they got to be very careful about the language they use. So. Uh, yeah, you're going to see each one. They're all, I mean, and also the, the Black Quebecois leader. I was listening a bit to his uh, mm-hmm. conference as well. He's doing the same thing in Quebec, even though you know the Quebec government, which is you know uh, that's normally fav- somewhat favorable to the Black Quebecois, um, is is being pretty strong on on how you know on how they're treating people who aren't vaccinated there. So you know, so they all have to they all have to tiptoe around this issue. But I but the thing is, I think every what is but but at the same time they also have to worry about that a majority of the people have got uh, two shots and those people expect to be in a sense rewarded for going out of their way to get the two shots because they then want to be they want to be able to go to a place like a restaurant a theater um, any kind of indoor reception of whatever knowing that all the other people have also had their two two shots so that you know so and those people are increasingly i think going to become angry at the people who are holding you know are holding are holding back getting the vaccination because it's going to interfere with their lives because you know they're going to show, if they're allowed to show up at the same sort of things that the people with two shots of the vaccine are these people are going to get angry so and so the politicians have to so they've got this small Group minor uh, minority group who's really reluctant uh, for, for various reasons not to get the vaccine all that quickly or if at all, and but they face a majority that says we want to be rewarded for getting our two shots, so we want to make sure that everybody who comes to our restaurant, our event, or what have you, theater uh, has has the shots. How dirty do you think this campaign's going to get, Henry? Uh, you were talking about the news conferences this morning. I was in and out of them, watching them as, mu- yeah. as much as I could. Yeah. And man, uh, the gloves are already off. I mean, everybody's taking shots at everybody. It's it's usually something you, you don't see till later on. But it's yeah. uh, it started right off the, t- the hopper with uh, w- with everybody um, jumping on each other. Uh, are you surprised? How dirty well, is this going to get? Is in, in a political campaign, I think all the all the party leaders, all the party organizations believe and I think they're correct that essentially a, a good strong negative message will help you it normally helps you out better than a strong positive message that's unfortunately human nature people remember bad rather than good and I was reminded about it one of my granddaughters has said you know was watching was does social media stuff that I don't watch so I'm glad to talk to her and she says oh I thought Aaron O'Toole was a nice guy but she said all of, I'm getting seeing all these ads on social media saying all the bad things about him so I guess yeah. he's not a nice guy after all and I said no 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 <laughs> I said slow down here I said polit- don't listen carefully to the negative messages I said if you want to be a good informed person I think my recommendation is you listen to the positive statements what does each of the party leaders have to offer and then you and then the important thing is to pick the party that seems to offer what you think is the best 
the best thing for Canadians. I said, don't, you know, don't spend your time listening to all those negative messages that are coming out. So, but apparently, and I've missed all these, I don't watch what she's watching, but anyways, so apparently over the weekend, they were just flooded with, um, or, you know, uh, yesterday, I don't know, maybe yesterday even, but pretty quickly, I mean, a lot of liberal negative messages about O'Toole. So yeah, so and then she was it would it made an impression on her. So I figured, well, it's going to make an impression on other people too. When I said they have to worry about that. Uh, obviously, we've talked about this before. Uh, this isn't the first go around for the prime minister. He's he's more a veteran now. He's certainly not the rookie. Um, many said for O'Toole, the biggest challenge is trying to be known. Now that the pandemic is sort of, uh, well, it's not behind us, but certainly beside us and in front of us is an election. They're getting more and more time. Uh, let's go through uh, really quickly what each one has to do. O'Toole now, he's trying to be known. How does he take advantage of these 35 days? Well, he's come out with the party platform, which is very nice. Uh, it hasn't been costed, although he did point out it's currently being costed. So I didn't hear him say when he's going to tell us what it costs. Uh, but okay, he's he's got a platform, so I give him some marks for that. Um, he's he's a good speaker. He, you know, I think he's gonna, he's going to run a solid campaign and essentially hope that people just uh, like like that. And and he's going to hope that people are look are going to look at Trudeau and say, listen, I'm tired of him. And yeah. uh, that's that's what he's hoping. And so he's hoping he's going to get those votes. So. You know, so that's, but he's right now, but he is not, he's not polling where he ought to be even normally for a conservative. He's bouncing, you know, sometimes even less than 30%, which is not a good point for him to be at right now. He, sh- he really needs to be higher than that, even at this stage. And he also has a promise, apparently, the, the People's Party, um, which, are, which are alienated conservatives, uh, are, are, you know, pulling in 3 to 4% of the vote, and that's not good for him because in some of those close races, that may take uh, the seat away from him. So not that I expect that the People's Party is going to get any uh, seats, but, it, but it, they, yeah. they're a danger to the, to the Conservative Party. But I think, uh, but anyways, O'Toole, I think, just hopes that if he stays positive and, and as put, lays out his, uh, his proposals and he looks like he's statesmanlike and... And on the other side of it, if people get tired of Trudeau, and, and I, you know, and I listen, of course, both of us, we've listened to Trudeau for a long period of time, yeah. and I guess I must say, listening to him give a press conference is is pretty boring at this point because I've heard yeah. the same type of yeah. language for, yeah. for for all these years, and of course, he was doing it every day during, the, you know, for the longest time, and I say, oh God, I've I've heard this over and over again. I can hear his speeches in the, in my sleep. You know, and I think, and I think, and I think some of the other people would say, "Oh my God, it's so." They sound almost stilted, you know. You know, yeah. Because we know he's been prepared, right? His his, his communications people, and uh, and and he and he's, you know, he his speeches are set up to dodge the question, but appear try to appear as if he's answering the question, but he's really not. Henry Jasek with us, professor of political science, McMaster University. Uh, the election is underway. I'm sure we'll chat again, Henry. Thanks so much for the time. Be well. Okay. Enjoy your week. 
You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. All right. Many are concerned. Some are concerned, although I'm not sure. Well, we'll ask Thomas Tenkate on all of this. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, is it safe enough to have a COVID-19, uh, an election within uh, COVID-19? We've certainly seen uh, a couple of provinces uh, do this. Now that we are sitting uh, over 80 percent uh, first vaccinated, over 70 percent with the second vaccination, is safety really a concern? From Ryerson University, from Public Health, Thomas Tenkate is here. Uh, Thomas, thanks for the time. I hope you're doing well. Uh, yes, I am. Thanks very much, Scott. Thanks for having me again. So in your studies of public health and elections and such, uh, is, is COVID-19, how, how, how much a uh, concern is uh, COVID-19 during this campaign or the fact that we've got so many vaccinated at this point that it's, it's not much of a, of a challenge, especially considering we're opening up? Yeah, yeah definitely. At, right at the moment, I think because of the vaccination levels that we do have, the the you know the overall risk to the community is is a lot lower than what it would have been, you know, without that uh, without the vaccination levels that we have. I think there is still you know risk because of the uh, because of the un, you know risk to people who are unvaccinated, uh, and and you know any time that we we have situations where we have groups of people. Uh, who are not from the same family, you know, getting together uh, and maybe in crowded situations, that that that, that you know that heightens the risk for for those people. So, so ultimately, you know, if if it would have been, you know, if they could have not had one had the uh, election campaign, you know, from a public health perspective, I think it would have been been good. But uh, you know, given where we're at, the uh, you know it, the the overall level of risk is is a lot lower. Than, than what it would have been, uh, you know, six months ago. Uh, do you expect, uh, and I know obviously your your specialties in public health, not elections, but do you think as a result of this we'll see less in-person voting, more uh, advanced polling, or even mail-in ballots as people look for other options to get the, uh, to cast their ballot? Yeah, de- uh, definitely I think uh, from, you know, what's, what's happened, you know, overseas, the, uh, and, you know, when we, if we look to the U.S. election, uh, the presidential election, you know, there was the uh, amount of uh, postal voting really, really ramped up, and, and I think, you know, I'd expect that would there would be a trend for that as well, uh, you know, in in this election. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, interesting uh, uh, article talking about, uh, for example, pencils and in you know casting your ballot in that actual physical. Uh, uh, action of, of of making that mark on that piece of paper. Are, are those pencils are concerned? Does everybody get their own pencil that they will take home with them? Uh, it, how do how concerned? Although we, I guess we've discovered as time goes by, it's less about surfaces and more about airborne uh, yeah. particles and such. But what about the pencil pandemic? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, sure. You know, say, say if you have a pencil that. Each person is using, and you have, you know, thousands of people using it. Then, sure, that's that's presenting a risk. You know, as you said, the the uh, science about you know how the uh, virus transmits uh, is 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 primarily through the airborne route, and so I, you know, it, it's probably a low sort of risk. But 
it's still, you know, potentially, you know, is a risk. So if, if they're going to have a pencil, you know, I'd, I'd like to think that they would have, and, and it's not just the pencil, it's just the, the overall voting station as such, and, you know, the surfaces and, uh, you know, you would, it would be good if they had a, you know, some sort of regular cleaning regime, uh, sanitization regime, you know, to ensure that, uh, you know, when, when someone is, uses the next station, uses a station that it, that uh, that it is, you know, there is some sort of uh, cleaning in between people. Uh, that that would be ideal. Whether or not that happens or not, it, you know, I, I'm not sure. But uh, you know, ideally, that's what it, you would you would like to have happen in this situation. Talk about what our mood or our attitudes are, or how they've changed as we've got to over eighty percent with the first dose, over seventy with the second. So you know, obviously, we're making pretty good gains here. Uh, how does that change the mood of the public, or does it keep us cautious? Are we feeling if we're vaccinated, eh, I'm I'm good, I'm good to go? And is it more the unvaccinated that are feeling vulnerable? What, what is the mood of the public at this stage of a pandemic? Yeah, well, yes, I think as, as you said, the you know, given the vaccination levels that we have, there's a good proportion of the population that are fully vaccinated, and uh, you know, the data is showing that that the majority of cases that we're getting are people uh, from people who are either unvaccinated, who are, that's the most, you know, something like 80% uh, from, or 90% are unvaccinated. Another 5% of people who have had one dose and then the last uh, sort of 4% are uh, people who have had the double dose, but but uh, within 14 days of that second dose. So, so it's really only like 1% of the, or lower of the population uh, of the number of cases who are fully vaccinated, so so it means that you know that that's a that's a good sign, and it and it I think it gives people uh, you know sort of confidence to sort of get out and about and do stuff, and, and particularly you know over the summer uh, you know we we're seeing uh, you know a lot a lot of the you know the children's camps uh, summer camps happening and, and a whole range of things. So and and you know with uh, opening up for for a whole range of venues. I think you know all all of that combined gives gives people a lot of a uh, lot of hope and you know and confidence that uh, things are moving forward. I think we're we are at that point where you know the the numbers are going up again. Uh, you know we're we're seeing that uh, because because of because of this the opening of restrictions and, and the ability for for more people to sort of come into contact with each other. And so it's really going to be. Uh, you know, a situation of you know what number of cases are we, you know, comfortable in 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 you know having on on an ongoing basis now? If if we if we keep these say the current level of sort of restrictions, what are sort of not that restrict not many restrictions in place? And and I think you know from a from a pandemic perspective, you know other you know previous pandemics have have taken two two years or so to to sort of you know work through the system and so so we're getting to that point so so i think you know the next uh three months or so is is really the end stages and and we're moving then into the uh you know what we call the endemic phase of of the uh of of what we're what we're dealing with at the moment 
Really, uh, realistically, though, Tom, what, how far can uh, can Canadians, Ontarians take this? Because again, I remember talking at the beginning of this pandemic, and many were saying, "If we can just get over sixty percent vaccinated, this will be great." Uh, and here we are, north of eighty percent with the first dose. You got to think that, uh, and I think we're north of seventy for the for the second. And if you're going to get the first, hopefully you're going to get the second. So we're looking at numbers that are already above eighty percent. You think, you know, there's there's a percentage of anti-vaxxers who will never get it and you're never going to convince them they'll always be there so say that's five percent say another five percent that can't take it for medical reasons or 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 what have you that's ten percent right there so you know we're looking at ninety percent we're already into the low 80s how like i mean can we take this even another five percentage points yeah, like, like I, I definitely think that there's, you know, as you said, there's, there's the sort of the diehard to it. They're never going to sort of accept it no matter what, as well as the people who, for various medical reasons, and and also people who might have had a, uh, you know, a more severe reaction with the first dose who won't want the second dose. Yeah. Uh, and so, so it's really that maybe in you know sort of five-ish, five percent, five up, maybe ten up to ten percent. Oh, is is the people at the moment who, who I suppose are still saying, well, you know, I don't know, I don't know if it's really that safe. And so, like a lot of the the messages and and the sort of feedback that I I'm seeing is, is that is is a lot about sort of people's questions about safety of the vaccine, and and for those people, it's really more about uh, the uh, how do we how do we get to those people and in regard to say here are here's actually what the evidence is because a lot of it's around you know sort of some really you know sort of uh, messages that are out there and you know stories that are out there that are pretty wacky and so but how do we how do we sort of counter that to be able to just raise you know another you know five to ten percent uh if, if you know what we can do for you know to get up get closer to that ninety percent, uh, I think is is doable. But after that, it's probably probably uh, probably not doable more than that, given given you know where we're at with with the situation and uh, people's uh, you know understanding of of uh, you know, people's you know uh, yeah sort of where where they're at and their their perspectives. Um, uh, I think many are surprised that we've got to where we are with education. Now, obviously, we're talking about it being mandatory for healthcare, uh, teachers, because the kids under 12 can't be vaccinated uh, at this point. Uh, but the federal government has announced that, you know, they're going to do make it mandatory for all federal employees. Is this going, is this overreacting to those last couple of percent, considering we've got where we are with just education? Yeah, it's 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 an interesting one because like like you know my background uh, you know in public health and occupational health and safety is sort of saying well you know if 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 you have a workplace and you have a have a hazardous situation in the workplace then you you know you need as a say the employer has a responsibility to ensure that their workplace is safe and mm-hmm. and and in a lot of ways if you said well if this was uh, similar to you know if you had asbestos or some other hazard in the workplace. You know what would you expect? Well, you'd expect the, the employees to say wear respirators or wear you know take other you know precautions that the employee employer would provide. And so, so it I think it's 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 not I don't think it's overreaching from that perspective if you if you put it in that context of of providing a safe workplace for 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 the employees. So 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 yeah, it it, it it's uh it's an interesting one. You know, it's it definitely you know on on the on the um, 
you know, testing those, the, uh, you know, sort of individual rights versus, you know, uh, in, employer rights to provide a, and, and responsibilities to provide a safe workplace. Thomas Tenkate has been with us, expert in public health, uh, talking about ma- uh, vaccines, making them mandatory, and of course holding an election uh, during a cam uh, during a cam- uh, rather holding an election campaign during a global pandemic. Thomas Tenkate with us from Ryerson University. Thomas, as always, thank you so much for the time. Be well. Yeah, you too. Thanks very much. I really, really appreciate your time. Have a great day. You too. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to three on 900 CHML.